In your New Testament, in the book of Romans, in chapter 7, we have a verse that we want to select as a theme for our morning message. Beginning with verse 1, he says in chapter 7 of Romans, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth, but if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she married, be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another. And then the verse that we want to concentrate upon is the application of this illustration that he has mentioned here of the old law, knowing that it was binding, but it had died, and now the new is Christ, and we're free to relate with him. And this is the thrust of the message. Wherefore is a conclusion, my brethren, Ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. By the body of Christ. You become dead or separated from something. What was that? It was the law. And you become dead to the law by the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church of Christ. The body of Christ is the kingdom of Christ. The body of Christ is the people who make up Christ's spiritual body here upon the earth. You've made dead to the law, but by the body of Christ. That ye should be married to another. Married to another. Even to him who is raised from the dead that we should bring forth fruit unto God. We're married to Christ. Married to Christ. That's our thing. Married to Christ. Anyone who's a member of the body of Christ is married to Christ. That's what this passage says. You're married to Christ, and he's raised from the dead, and he reigns in heaven. And he's spiritual. He is not fleshly. So don't mix it up with the flesh. Flip over to Galatians in your New Testament. It's just before Ephesians. Galatians, the third chapter. And the 24th verse. We're going to start with the 22nd. 
But the scripture hath concluded all understand that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ, that's his system, that's his message, that's his teachings, might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. That's what Romans said, they were dead to the law. But they're made dead to the law by the being married to Christ. We were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, that is, in direction of the faith, that the teachings that have come by Christ, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Because you're justified by faith, and when you're no longer under the law, you're married to Christ, then you're living by faith. But after the faith has come, we're no longer under the schoolmaster or we're no longer under the law, which is equivalent to saying because he just got through saying in verse 24 that the law was a schoolmaster. But we're no longer under that. The Romans 7 said that the law was like a husband that was dead, that people were married to before, but he's dead now. And the new one, the new husband, is Christ. And we're married to Christ. For ye are all the children of God. How? By faith. By the law? No, not by the law. We're dead to that. We're not under that anymore. We're children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And how does that happen? Well, this is the marriage ceremony. This is it. Whether you recognize it or not, or as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's when you were married to Christ. You put him on. You put him on by faith. You're married to him who was raised from the dead, that you might bring forth fruit unto God. Now, don't get that mixed up with the flesh. Because the next verse says, 28, Galatians 3:28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, but you're just one in Christ. So that's the reason we can all be married to Christ, and it doesn't have anything to do with the male or female. It is that but we can relate to it because we take the known for the unknown and we get in touch with the unknown, which is our relationship with Christ, by the relationship, the close relationship of the husband and the wife. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, the promise was that, before we leave this Galatians, I want you to look at 16, verse 16, that to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made. He saith not and the seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. 
Now, Christ was to be the person that people, every living creature could be married to, whether male or female, whether bond or free, or whether Jew or Greek. It didn't matter. And look at number 17, verse 17, and I say that, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, when? That was... That was when he was made to Abraham before the law was ever written. He made this promise. And he made a promise that all people, whether Jew or Gentile, could be married to Christ. That was before the law was given, but 1,500 years had passed. And the Jews had been God's chosen people, and they'd had the law, and they had the idea that no one else could be accepted but just the Jews before God. But look at that 17th verse again. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after he made the promise to Abraham that everybody could be married to Christ, cannot disannul it cannot change that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is of no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. And that's what we all enjoy, being married to Christ. Now I want you to turn, if you will, from there, turn to Luke, the 14th chapter. This is a gospel. Luke was a person who wrote, and he wrote to humanity. He wrote to the... He was a Greek. He was a Roman. He was uh, familiar with the Roman law. But he wrote to the people, and he, he gives us the touch of uh, God's love for uh, the the lost people. And I want you to, uh, in that 14th chapter, and start with the 15th verse, if you will. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these sayings, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now that's including Jews and Gentiles. That's the people who can be married to Christ. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and, and invited many people. Now this is typical of the message in Romans where he said, We've been made dead to the law by the body of Christ that we should be married uh, by the body of Christ that we should be married to him who was raised from the dead. And he was trying to help those Romans to understand this. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. 
So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly. Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Well, just go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of, of my supper. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not, that is, not love less, his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and his sisters, yea, his whole life, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, I want to make this just as personal as I possibly can. This is the message that Jesus taught over and over again. That he came that he might have a lot of people, that he might have a bride, that he might have a wife. that he might have a family. And that family means everything to him. He gave his whole life that he might have a family and that he might have a wife that was virtuous, pure, clean, and holy. But, you know, there are none of us that are. But he died that we might be. He wrote a whole book over in the Old Testament of Hosea that showed his people were dirty and nasty and filthy and sinful. And he gave us a picture that they were harlot. And he pictures that in literary form as Gomer. And yet when she goes out, and it's like Israel going out and forgetting him, he still reaches out for her. He says, I don't want anybody else. I want you. I want you. And he called his people. And his people he loves. And he finally came and gave his life that you and I might be his bride. Regardless of what we'd done and how much sin we'd committed, he'd forgive us and clean us up. And we could be married to him. And we were married to him through just a simple ceremony. And the ceremony is to confess that he's the one who can clean us up purifies, make us holy. I want you to turn to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. He had Paul write a whole book. And in this book, he gives us 
this chapter on how, how important a bride is. Now remember, there's neither male nor female, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free in heaven, but he uses this because we understand the closeness of a family and we understand the closeness of the love between the husband and the wife. And when you look at that fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, And the 23rd verse, he uses this. I want, you to, I want you to look at the 32nd verse. The 32nd verse says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. The marriage ceremony between believers and Christ makes them married to each other, and he's speaking simply about his bride, but he's using the marriage to drive the point home. Now look at the 23rd verse of Ephesians. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he's the Savior of the body. See, he cleaned us up. He, he purified us. He caused us to be holy. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Now, He's just throwing this in. But if you're married to Christ, the question this morning comes to us, are you subject to Christ? Are you faithful? Are you faithful? You're married to him. What does he think about your service and your worship and your dedication and your, your prayers, your giving? Putting him first, giving of your service, sharing your very life. What does he think? You're married to him. You can't hide from him. He knows our minds. He knows what we're doing. He knows our deceptiveness. He knows our not being, not leveling with him. He knows when we lie. He knows when we cheat. He knows when we envy. He knows when we're anxious. He knows when we take on the whole world and don't depend on him. We're married to him. That 24th verse, those of us who are husbands, who counted a put down when our wife doesn't listen to us and doesn't recognize us, we ought to get the message here that we're married to Christ. How many times do we put him down? How many times do we shun him? How many times do we fail to listen to him and recognize him? And he just said, well, this is a good point. Wives ought to be subject to their husbands. Then he says, 25, he says, husbands, you love your wives. But the great point is, Christ is in love with you. He's in love with you that he gave his life. He gave himself. If that doesn't touch you, nothing else will. And he did that, number 26, that he might sanctify us and set us apart 
It doesn't matter what kind of lack of devotion or how many lies we've told or how much deceptiveness we've had. His blood sanctifies us and separates us from those things any time we choose to make him first, even after we've been married to him. 1 John 1 says, If you walk in the light as he is in the light, his blood is there for you. See? That he might sanctify, and that means keep on sanctifying and keep on cleansing and keep on washing by the water. When a person hears for the first time the great gospel of Christ that said, You go teach every creature, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he did it and he responded to it and he was baptized in water and the blood of Christ just cleansed him. That's the marriage ceremony. He was married to Christ. But the beauty part, being married to Christ, is that when you curse or when you commit fornication or when you lie or when you cheat or when you steal, you're still married to him and you can come back and say, Lord, I've ignored you. I've been a hypocrite. I haven't been conscious of you. You can ask him and he just cleanses you. And it's still the word. You know the reason? Look at number 27. That he might present it unto himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That it should be holy and without... You know what will cause that? When people understand they're married to Christ. It's not the preacher. It's not what he does. It's not what the teachers accept as they relate to people. It's what each of us do or does not when we understand we're married to Christ and we're sanctified. You have a church that's holy because that person is dedicated in their thinking to the person they're married to, which is Christ. And you see Christ in that individual. Now, he says in verse 28, now, people ought to love, men ought to love their wives. It's like, it's like I love you. Okay, myself for you. And if a man doesn't love his wife, he doesn't even love himself. And we, it's impossible for Jesus to lie. Jesus loves himself, and he loves us just as much as he loves himself. Number 30 says, we are members of his body, of his flesh, and his bones. And he said, I know the marriage, and I know the family. And a man needs to go out and leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And that was ordained from the time of the Garden of Eden. But he said, the great mystery is, look at number 32, is that I speak is concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, in verse 33, one in particular, you love your wife, even as you love yourself. That's the secret of getting along. Or if it's the secret of family getting along, it's the secret of us getting along as the body of Christ. Now let's turn back to Romans, the seventh chapter where we began. The fourth verse. Wherefore, wherefore, my brethren, ye also 
or become dead to the law by the body of Christ. We don't have to worry about keeping the old law that sacrifices, killing the lamb, and remembering the Passover. But we have our Passover as Christ. And all of this was done that ye should be married to another, married to another, even to him who's raised from the dead. Now, if you're not married to Christ, I want you, in, the, in closing, I want you to turn to Romans, that same uh, book that we're in, which is in the seventh chapter. But I want you to turn back to the sixth chapter. The sixth chapter. And the ceremony, the marriage ceremony, is mentioned in the sixth chapter. You say, well, how do, how do you know that? Well, just look at verse twenty, verse three of Romans six. Many of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore, we were buried with Him by baptism into death. He said in Romans six, He said, "You've been married to another who was raised from the dead." When you were baptized into Him, you were baptized into His death. He. He, he died never to die again, and the people who get into him will never die again. They'll never die. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so ye, we also should walk in a new life. And that's what it is to be married to Christ. That's where it is. Now we can go out and people say, say, you want to be a member of the church? I want to make you a member of, our, of, of the church, and we'll vote on you, we'll bring you in. No. The marriage ceremony is right here. If you want to know how to be saved and you want to know how to live forever, here is the marriage ceremony. Here is the person you're married to. For if ye have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, it follows that if you haven't done that, then you won't be. That means you'll be lost. That means you'll not be his bride. That means you'll not, be a you'll not be married to him. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him in the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now you can make that decision this morning. You know, Jesus knows. Have you ever been rejected? You know how it is to be rejected. Jesus knows how it is to be rejected. He came to his own and his own received him not. He came to the Jews. They crucified him. But he came back and in spite of that offered himself to the Jews and offered them forgiveness. And he even prayed for them while he was dying and said, God, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he made the provision. And you talk about a husband and you talk about a person to be married to, you can't find you can't find one greater than this. And if you haven't been married to Christ, right now is the time you need to get married. And in your marriage in the flesh will have to be successful. It will be successful. And you just confess that Christ is the Son of the living God. And you just put him on, just like it says here in Romans. And you'll live forever. And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he says, I, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. 
You can't beat that as we stand together and say.